Welcome to the Libraries Transform Texas podcast, where we showcase the value of Texas librarians and libraries. This is season three, episode five, September 2022. In this second part of our Band Books Week podcast, Kate Sweeney talks to Dorcas Hand, coordinator of TLA's Intellectual Freedom Helpline, about how the helpline came about. Um, Well, first of all, this was not my idea. This came from, I mentioned at the beginning, um, I was at a meeting of interested members of the TLA Legislative Committee who wanted to look at how we could support members. And there were lots of different ideas floating around and many of them have been moving forward since this meeting, which was maybe November of last year. but but this one was really concrete and approachable to me and the fact that i'm retired also means that i i don't have a an employer that i have to worry about um causing trouble for and i also don't have a day job so my time is more flexible um we know that the ALA Office of Intellectual Freedom does an incredible job and we do not want to replace them. Um, But Texas is its own country in some ways. And so having people with Texas awareness um, to answer these questions, we thought that would be helpful. We still recommend that people report any challenges to ALA because they keep the statistics and we do not. Um, And and they have resources that yes, we refer to and have kind of organized in ways that we think are helpful to us. But if you call OIF, they will also talk to you at length and, and they do have legal knowledge that we don't pretend to have. Um, so it's, it's, we're, we're different. Um, I've stayed the coordinator again because I'm retired. I'm not on the front lines. I think that while there are some people, if I talk to them, I can be very calming and give them the right resource, but because I'm not on the front line, they're like, well, what do you know? So I think it is important to have somebody, um, who is in a similar library right now and facing, indirectly the same challenges. Um, Wendy Woodland has been a huge help throughout. She's in the TLA office. And um, if I miss a request because I wasn't watching my email carefully enough or something, she reminds me and then I get the assignment made. Um, The original concept was very vague. Uh, It was just kind of the word helpline. Um, initially, a lot of people were saying hotline, and I've tried hard to not use that term. I think helpline is a little lower key and gentler, and um, I don't know. That's just my preference. The original list of internal resources, <coughs> excuse me, um, was mostly what everyone looks to first, and many of them are already posted publicly on the TLA site as well, but they're mostly ALA resources. Um, and 
in November when we were having this meeting because Moms for Liberty and everybody were just ramping up and people were really worrying about it all. Um, every day, my email and my Facebook had an article, another article, another article from many states, from all over the country, from journals, from magazines, from newspapers about things that were happening. And I just saved them all and stuck them in a Google Doc. And it was a mess in the beginning, it really was. But slowly you could see trends in, in the resources. And so being a librarian, I just kind of organized this giant document. Um, and then we solicited volunteers. We started asking the Legislative Committee, the Intellectual Freedom Committee, and the, I think it's called the Ethics Committee, um, if any of them, and that got us going. And then we put it out on Engage. And there was another Google form for volunteers to tell us what kind of library they work in and what their experience with challenges was and why they want to serve. You know, it was kind of a basic application basically and and then i called them all and we we'd talk and i used the list of resources as they were organized and it was some people call it a training it wasn't really it was just a, i want you to see what's here for you to use but it was also a way for me to know what there's comfort levels and skills were so that I could assign well. And and that's been really great. But just sending me the Google form doesn't make you a volunteer. We have a pretty equal collection of six or eight um, volunteers from academic public and school libraries. And we cover all different ages within the children's and young adult spectrum and there are a few adult public librarians as well a couple of library directors it's it's a good mix and so far i think we've been able to provide the moral support that is our intent um there's just so many librarian breadcrumbs along the way of this story that i just love like how you wanted to wordsmith hotline to helpline to have the right tone, how you were culling all the relevant information that was just popping up in the news. And you were like, you know what? I'm gonna organize this. <laughs> I'm gonna organize this information. Um, that's what we do. Um, just playing to all of the strengths that we do have as um, librarians, you know, our skill set in order to um, help solve our own, you know, problems that we're running into. Um, which I just think is a very heartening concept that we really do have these skills um, that are inherent to be successful with a lot of these challenges and um, that that is what we're trained to do. And um, sometimes it just takes taking a deep breath and, um, you know, having somebody to, you know, check in with. Um, I know that when we, before we started recording and we were talking about the mentors, um, you know, you were kind of emphasizing that, you know, a lot of what they do is just sort of, um, help with sort of the stressfulness of the situation, you know, that it's, um, you know, just kind of an emotional, it, it's an emotional process um, as we were talking about. So um, my next question is, I know a big part, you know, these are kind of more some action items I wanted to move into. Um, I know a big part of your advocacy work is helping empower librarians to be proactive about book challenges. So work, you know, up to this point, we've been talking about you get a book challenge, what do you do to respond to the book challenge? But um, I know that you also emphasize being proactive. Um, and, 
you know, kind of anticipating these things coming up. So can you share some insights and recommendations on how you feel librarians can prepare for challenges before they even happen? Of course. <laughs> First, the most basic advice is to be sure that you have policies already written, approved by your leadership and governing body and ready at your fingertips. Without this, everything is more difficult. Yes, be proactive. And yes, in the current climate, school boards all over the place and even um, district leadership, school district leadership are trying to change those policies in challenging ways. I hate that the word challenge is everywhere, but it is. Anyway, and, and you have to do your best to stand strong for policies that will work. Um, we already know that parents do have the right to control what their own children read, but they don't have the right to control what everyone else reads. They just think they do. Um, which, you know, goes back to, uh, we were talking a little bit before about how these, these legislators and people who are going to ban books, determined to ban books, they rely on the same freedom of speech that we do and the same freedom of information, access to information. Um, next, persistently educate your patrons of every age about their First Amendment rights, their right to access information freely. Public institutions are required to open all resources to all patrons within the limits of the institution's mission. Remember that parents do have that complete control over their own children's choices. But we've had, I don't know, 20, 25 years when because of mandated testing, civil, civics and government have not been a focus of that testing. So they haven't been as carefully taught. So these 20 or 25 years of high school graduates who are now parenting children in our schools, they don't understand how this all works together and how important this freedom of information is to them. Um, always apply your collection development policy transparently. You should be able to defend every resource your library buys with reference to this approved policy. And these days, that's pretty key. Be willing to discuss books and resources with parents who ask why it is on your shelves. Conversation, even if you don't agree, can build bridges. And these days, too many conversations feel confrontational, but keeping them civil and open really does help with many people. Teach critical thinking. Help your patent parent, blah, 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 excuse me. Help your patrons sort through the rampant misinformation that is surrounding all of us. And we all have to try, it doesn't matter which side of the political spectrum you find yourself on most of the time, you still have to be aware of misinformation. Celebrate the ways that books unite us. Take advantage of the materials ALA offers for Banned Books Week. The theme this year is Books Unite Us, censorship divides us and there are lots of ways to show that in displays and talk about it and remember that the leroy c merit fund is devoted to the support maintenance 
and welfare of librarians who are denied employment rights because of defense of intellectual freedom. So if you as a librarian are really threatened, and we have some in Texas, the Merit Fund is there at ALA. The link is right, you just look up the Leroy Merit Fund and you'll find the link. And they accept donations. So if you're in a position to support other librarians who may be facing really hard times, um, I know I've been giving them a little bit of money lately. Did I cover your question? Oh my gosh, yes. And so many thoughts as you were sharing that. You know, I think we've seen a lot of fun shares online, you know, of like book displays you can do that kind of um, add a little levity to Band Book Week. And um, sometimes humor is a good way to um, be proactive and broach the conversation before, you know, because a lot of this is sort of those, um, like the Philip Pullman book, um, people come into some of these conversations swinging. And um, a lot of times, if you can kind of just change the tone of these interactions before they even start. Um, I know when I worked at um, one of my public libraries and we um, put paper bags on the books, I think a lot of people have probably done this and you say why the book is banned and then they pull it off and they're shocked to see Charlotte's Web was banned. And, you know, people are almost unanimously a lot of times, how could, you know, Harriet the Spy have been banned? You know, these kind of older books um, that seem so innocuous. The Bible. Yeah, yeah, the Bible. I mean, really anything could potentially be banned depending on the person that's reading it. No no person reads the same book. And, um, and it starts that conversation of like, well, this is a silly reason to be banned. And you're like, well, is there ever a not silly reason, you know, um, to be, you know, one person silly is another person's not. And um, at any rate, um, I thought that was interesting. And recently I saw San Antonio Public Library had a really diplomatic press conference that the mayor came out and spoke at their library and um, made some very firm statements about, you know, protecting, you know, as you were saying, the First Amendment right. And I thought that that was great for PR. And um, you can find that on YouTube um, and see, you know, kind of what they said and how they handled it. And so anyway, I just think there's a lot of angles to come at it. And I loved all the suggestions you gave. And interestingly, right now, there are school districts and public libraries that are not allowed to use the term banned books week. Mm. They can celebrate the event, but they have to title it differently. Wow. Because some so charged. have figured out that book banning is a lightning rod, but they still want to stop people from reading these ideas. So it's pretty interesting, really. Yeah, it's sort of like the plot is thickening. <laughs> as oh, go yeah, along. totally. Um, well, and that leads me to my last question, which is, you know, this is, you were talking about the Texas Helpline not replacing some of these other resources through ALA, but the Texas is its own animal. It's its own country. It has its own, um, you know, not to overuse the word, but challenges. And um, so this has been a particularly difficult time for Texas librarians in dealing with book challenges, even just the last year or two. And um, what parting words do you have to share with librarians this year about fighting book bans and upholding our values of intellectual freedom? Well, first of all, TLA stands with you. The helpline is here to support you and your colleagues. You need not be a member of TLA to consult the helpline. And I hope those of you who are members will tell your colleagues that this is true because we know there are librarians out there who need help, but they don't realize this is available to them. 
intellectual freedom is the issue of the moment. We all need to stand together, Texan librarians and our colleagues in other states. The Freedom to Read Foundation, um, and I sit on that board, joins various court cases around issues of intellectual freedom. Please join us. The dues are very manageable, and that money goes to really good use, supporting what you need to happen at levels that we can't address directly ourselves. And always speak up every time you can to remind your patrons, neighbors, and legislators how intellectual freedom impacts their own lives and yours every day. The assumptions of the freedom of ideas that really undergird our democracy. That's really where it comes back to for me. We're going to lose our country if we don't have access to reading. Yeah, I think that's, um, man, I'm fired up about this. Um, I think that's what is so, um, I mean, this really is fundamental to what we do as librarians. I mean, it is a foundational block um, of our whole, of all of our work. Um, and, and like you said, um, part of the reason it is so fraught and difficult in this moment is because it is um, part of this web of some other things that are happening in our political climate that are so challenging. And I know, um, you know, throughout this conversation, like, and the conversations that we've had before we started recording this is just so much of it comes down to from what I've learned from you is just um, connecting with our community members, connecting them with each other, um, having these conversations in person, you kind of alluded, you know, that these echo chambers online um, that happen and so much of things are virtual now, um, but we have physical spaces where people can have real life reactions and people aren't prone to troll one another as much um, in person as they are online. And so we can maybe have some more of this um, positive uh, rapport building um, as professionals with community members, between community members. And um, it's, it's, so, it's central to our work and it's central to e easing this um, problem that we're having right now. And we need to stand up as citizens. We can go to our school board meeting, not to represent the place we work, but because we live there and we vote there. We can go and speak for or against topics there, whether they're intellectual freedom or anything else. And, and right now, too much, it is the people who are challenging intellectual freedom who show up in large numbers and make loud noise. And, and those people are not really in the majority they're just louder and we have to figure out how to be loud back the uh, tla the texans for the right to read consortium begins to address this we're trying to build a group of people that will speak with as much passion and um all together to combat the the noise that is problematic on the other side um, we just all have to be willing to to step up. Yeah, I mean, having worked in um, City Hall and other municipal libraries and things I've worked in, I've seen that in City Council. You know, people show up in droves for a particular issue and they're really loud, but they don't necessarily represent the majority of the community. Um, and so we need to be aware of those things percolating and the role that we can play in them and the citizenship and advocacy that we can um, offer, you know, at any given time. Um, 
Wow, this is great. I mean, there's a lot of work to do here. Um, it is, you know, like I said, it can be a little daunting, um, but at the same time, I come back to what I feel like I've discovered in this conversation along the way, which is we have the tools. Um, we have the professional tools. We have the personal tools that we can do um, great work in this and make a difference. And um, and as I mean, kind of the thesis of this whole thing is there's help. There's help um, to be had from connecting with one another um, professionally. Um, thank you so much, Dorcas, not just for meeting with me, but for all of your work and volunteerism. I just, I had to laugh when you sent me your your bio and I had to read the word retired in there. I just thought, <laughs> my gosh, I have never, I've your, your resume is just as busy after your quote unquote retirement started as it was before it. So um, thank you for all your work. I know that that's, um, you know, volunteerism is, you know, the backbone of all of this program that you're talking about and it's incredible. Sure. So thank you. Well, I'm happy to do it. I'm, I think it's important and, you know, hopefully other people will step up in other ways and we all will succeed in our mission here to keep the freedom of speech free. Amazing. And hopefully we will all just keep reading because I think that's what we're all after on Absolutely. some level. <laughs> Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you so much and happy band book week to you. And to you. <laughs> thank you for listening to our podcast today. Please join us next month for our next episode where we'll celebrate Libraries Transform Texas Week. For more information about the Texas Library Association, go to txla.org.